Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Training camps in the CHL and the CJHL right around the corner. In fact, a lot of them getting underway as we speak. Lots of teams making additions to their coaching staff as well as their support staff. And that signals the start of a brand new season. And to some very tragic news uh, here in Western Canada involving the death of three players. We'll get to all of that in a second. My name is Keith Flaming. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show, everybody. If you're a newcomer to the program, welcome aboard. If you're a returning listener, really thank you for coming back. And if you are a patron supporter through patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show, then special thank you to you for your support each month. Makes a huge difference on my end. I really appreciate that couple of bucks a month that you're throwing my way. Let's get to the news and notes, and I'm going to play you uh, some audio from uh, Edmonton Oil Kings uh, general manager Kurt Hill in a moment. I don't want to gloss over that, but I want to start with uh, some less depressing news. Uh, and there really hasn't been a whole lot here in the last couple of weeks. As uh, as camps get closer and closer to opening, it's kind of you know the end of summer holidays. Uh, Mark Savard has been named the new head coach of the Windsor Spitfires in the Ontario Hockey League. Former NHLer started with the New York Rangers, played a bunch of years with the Calgary Flames, a couple of seasons with the Atlanta Thrashers, and uh, then a lot with the Boston Bruins. And it was with the Bruins where he suffered that career-ending injury. His rights kind of floated around a bit after that, Florida and, and New Jersey, but of course didn't play any games for those two franchises. But he goes back to the OHL where he started, although he was a four-year member of the Oshawa Generals, so uh, going to the Windsor Spitfires. But another coach in the CHL with uh, NHL experience and background. Should be a good fit there for the Spitfires. Uh, also in the OHL lottery for the first overall pick has been announced. Uh, there are only four teams who missed the playoffs in the OHL, so 25% chance one of those teams comes away with the first overall pick. I like that. The WHL has a lottery for the uh, six teams that don't make the playoffs out here. So I think that's a nice addition for the uh, OHL. And really, uh, that's it for uh, news in the CHL, even in the NCAA. Nothing really happening right now. Uh, so let's get to the, the, the sad and tragic news. A uh, car accident last weekend resulted in the death of uh, three young men, Caleb Reimer, Ronan Sharma, and Parker Magnuson, that accident in uh, Surrey, B.C. Uh, Caleb Reimer, a, a member of the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, was a rookie last year. 
I never got to meet Caleb. Uh, I wasn't around the team last year because of COVID and the situation, uh, obviously down at the rink. But I know this uh, this loss obviously devastating for uh, his family and uh, for his team and his coaching staff and and his teammates. Just horrible, horrible news. I know I spoke with um, Andrew Peard, who's the voice of the Oil Kings. Just obviously a, a cloud around the office as everybody grieves this loss. He sent me some audio as Kurt Hill, the general manager of the Oil Kings. He released a statement. I know head coach uh, Brad Lauer released a statement as well, but uh, there was a media availability. It's pretty short, obviously. What can you say? But I, I wanted to share that uh, with you. Here's uh, Kurt Hill with a couple local media members uh, to address this uh, tragic accident involving uh, former first-round pick Caleb Reimer. Kurt, uh, again, condolences to the entire organization and all of Caleb's family and friends, of course. Um, I, I'm just hoping you can maybe tell us a little bit about your relationship with Caleb, um, sort of how you got to know him as a person and a hockey player over the last couple of years and and, uh, and what he was like to have on the Oil Kings. Yeah, um, my relationship with Caleb was uh, quite strong. I mean, he was a player that... Uh, Myself and Jamie Porter drafted into the into the organization as a young 14-year-old. Um, you know, I remember that the, the initial conversation quite fondly. Um, you know, such a such a great kid, um, great family. All my dealings with them were so positive. Um, and you know, he was he, he was a young kid at heart. He was he's a late birthday. You know, when we got him, he. Even when he came here last year in the bubble, he was the youngest player in our team until we brought some younger guys in. And, uh, you know, he was he was everybody's little brother around here a little. And, um, you know, he was a guy with a with a real, real bright future ahead of him. And, you know, the, the impact he made on our team off the ice, on the ice last year was was tremendous. And, uh, yeah, he made a made a big impact in our group. And I'm wondering too. I mean, obviously, you guys have a an excellent team with with some older players. Can you kind of tell us how he, um, you know, fit in with those uh, guys? I mean, a lot of guys, obviously, when they if they make the WHL, they're usually the the stars on the team they were on, and then they you know they move up a level and they got to find a new way to to fit in. Can you touch on sort of how he was able to do that? And thank you. Yeah, I think again, looking back on last year, it was. I mean, it was a difficult year for a lot of reasons with COVID and everything we went through to get even even play. And for a young player, um, you know, I think it's pretty difficult. To, well, it was probably difficult for a lot of players on our team to comprehend what was even going on last year. And, um, you know, Caleb got here and, you know, we had the luxury of keeping a lot of younger players last year. And, you know, he was a guy that just wanted to get better every day. And he made ex- extreme strides throughout the season in his game. And I th- even even personally off the ice, just his his development and his maturity level, he made big strides. Um, I think he's he left a lasting impression with our coaching staff, you know, myself, um, and all of our players. You know, I think last year our players spent more time together than they ever will in a season again, and uh, they became a real real close group last year. Um, and he was a big part of that. Is counseling a consideration now? For the rest of the team, yeah, it is. I think we're uh, we're in the process right now of putting our resources together for all of our players. I mean, all of our efforts here are obviously to support support the family. Um, you know, our condolences go out to to the Reimer family and the other and the the, the Sharma family and the Magnuson family. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, we got to be here to support our players. They're young, they're young teens, they're young adults, and um, you know, we need to we need to be here to support them. And we're going to put all the resources we can in place to make sure that uh, they have the necessary people to reach out to, and uh, that includes our staff here as well. That includes our support staff and our billet families. You know, anybody that was associated with that is associated with our organization. I mean, it's 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 difficult to say, you know, what. Uh, you know who needs to talk about this, but we'll be sure to have the people in place for that. Okay, that was uh, Kurt Hill from the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, camps opening up here. The Oil Kings uh, start camp on September 1st. The rookies will uh, be on the ice first, and then uh, the rest of the team the next day, September 2nd. Red-white game goes on uh, Labor Day. And then we're off and running with uh, preseason, and the season begins on October 1st. Uh, you can hear all the Oil King games on uh, the website, oilkings.ca. Andrew Peard is the play-by-play guy, and uh, I guess it's not 100% official, but the plan is uh, for me to be back in the booth doing color this year, which I am excited about. The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, Alberta's best beef jerky. You can go to either location, whether it's Spruce Grove or Leduc, pick up a pound or a couple of pounds or even more if you got a big group that you want to satisfy because it is the best beef jerky in Alberta. You don't make friends with salad. Come on, get some beef jerky. You'll thank me that you did. And if you are in Western Canada and you're not making that trip, we'll get in contact with either location. You can hit them up on their website. It's wilhockbeefjerky.com. And uh, they will ship any size order anywhere in Western Canada. It's Wilhock Beef Jerky. Let's get to the guest list. I have five guests in three different segments today. As um, Next week, we will get into the WHL team-by-team previews. This week, we're going to finish off uh, getting to know some of the... Um, other podcasters that cover junior and college hockey. We will start with Matt Van Nuss and uh, Chris Clark. They are the guys behind the uh, Pats cast, uh, Regina Pats fan podcast. They will join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. I'll tell you about that in a second. Uh, from that conversation, we'll uh, head to England. Caitlin Barry, who is a part of the Hockey from Across the Pond podcast and uh, works with Dauber Prospects as well, scouting the Ontario Hockey League chiefly. She's going to tell us all about a couple of uh, players who are that were drafted in the CHL import draft. One of them is signed. He's headed to the Seattle Thunderbirds. And the other, we haven't heard the uh, the news yet for sure whether he's coming or not. We talked about that. He's drafted by the Niagara Ice Dogs. She's also going to tell us about another young player that we need, need to keep an eye on. Not the biggest guy in the world, but huge numbers. And NHL draft eligible this year. Might be a guy who gets taken in the import draft next summer. So we'll get to know him as well. Caitlin Berry joining us in the second guest segment. And we will end it with a NCAA campus report. Mick Hatton and Jess Myers from The Rink Live a podcast. Uh, both of them longtime uh, veteran college hockey reporters. They've teamed up uh, for this podcast. Mick covers the St. Cloud State Huskies and Jess with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. But an extended conversation with both of those gentlemen to get you set for the college hockey season as well. And a reminder, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The uh, tap room is open in Red Deer. You can get lots of merchandise there as well. But if you are between, if you're living between Calgary and St. Albert, including Edmonton, Red Deer, Sherwood Park, all the towns and cities along Highway 2, like Airdrie and Leduc and uh, Lacombe and uh, Pinoca, Blackfalls, south of Red Deer into Innisfail, Olds, etc., Carstairs, you can get your Troubled Monk order delivered right to your door absolutely free delivery if you order online at troubledmonk.com shop 
and you use promo code PIPELINE. Highly recommend it. Great time of year to uh, have some, you know, daycation or maybe the Juicy Gossip IPA. A couple of my favorites. You really can't go wrong. Check out TroubledMonk.com and get your order in for home delivery. Do that today. Then you're set for the weekend. All right, with that, let's get to our guests, and uh, we're going to head to Regina. Matt Van Ness and Chris Clark from the Pats cast, they're up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Soretsky, Mitchell, one-time shot, scores! Ian Mitchell, this kid's been red hot here on this road trip. He's got goals in back-to-back games, and he opens the scoring here. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Spruce Grove Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Sticks and Honky Tonk is back with Canadian superstars Jade Eagleson and Jeff Mosker. Don't miss all your boot stomping favorites with a rock and tailgate party and drive in concert October 9th at Western Star Trucks North in Atchison. Hockey Sticks and Honky Tonk presented by GS Construction and Next Gen Transportation. A live concert in support of local charities. Tickets are sold by the carload and start at $30 per person. Get yours at tickets.sprucegrovesaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. We are back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey, the best beef turkey in all of Alberta. My uh, next two guests are uh, not from Alberta, so I don't know if they've had the chance to try any Wilhock. But uh, guys, if you get to Edmonton, uh, I'll have uh, a package waiting for both of you. How about that? Uh, Matt and Chris, uh, the two gentlemen behind Pat's cast. Uh, fellas, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing great. Good, thanks. All right. Well, the reason I have you on, we're going to talk Pats eventually, but about the show. And, you know, last week I had a couple of fellas on from Moncton, New Brunswick. We were talking about their show following the Moncton Wildcats. And I thought, it's the off season. Let's get to know some of the other guys who have a podcast. So, uh, Matt, I understand uh, the uh, Pats cast was your uh, brainchild, uh, so to speak. Uh, tell us how it all came together. When, How long has the show been running? And well, we're going into our fourth full season now. We actually started during the Pats Memorial Cup uh, run there uh, when we hosted. We started just uh, for those few games of the Memorial Cup. Uh, and, you know, I'm a podcast consumer. I commuted quite a distance every day, about an hour and a half commute. And I listened to a lot of podcasts and, uh, you know, it kind of popped into my head that uh, the barrier for entry is basically nothing. There's no credentials you have to have. You just buy the equipment and and uh, start recording, and there you go. You have a podcast. So uh, that was it's an easy easy way to get into uh, a new hobby, and it was fun to learn all the mechanics and ins and outs of recording. And uh, that being said, I've learned a lot, and I just really appreciate people who do this for a profession. It's not easy. I think Chris and I recorded our first few episodes multiple times because. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard not talking to someone like you're just talking with Chris. And it took us a while to get into that more relaxed kind of conversational style, which is what I really like and I like to listen to. But uh, I feel like it's taken us a little while, but we're we're kind of finding our groove now. Um, Yeah. And I've just we've really enjoyed it. We've met some really good people through it and had some good opportunities. And uh, it's it's helped. I mean, getting a little deeper, it maybe has helped my um, public speaking and things like that. And yeah, it's been a it's been a fun journey, and we're happy to keep doing it uh, this year. That we have a a good season coming up. Chris, how did you get involved? Uh, I was over at Matt's house one day, and he's like, 
oh, hey, you want to do a podcast of the Pats? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, we're going to the games. We're, we're season ticket holders. And uh, he's like, yeah, we're already going there. We might as well talk about it. So then he walks into the kitchen and grabs the stuff. And he's like, look, I bought all this stuff already. So, <laughs> like, you want to start it right away? I was like, uh, okay, sure. So that's kind of how I got involved. And, you know, that's the thing. We're not, play- we're not you know, sitting here planning or thinking that we're experts or we know anything more than anyone else. We bring a fan's perspective. Uh, we sit up in the stands with everyone else, and that's it. We're, we we do claim to be the unofficial Pats podcast, right. which gives us just a little bit of a delineation that uh, we can we can be somewhat critical, maybe more of a Pats pers- or a fan's perspective rather than um, you know an official word like a media release. Yeah. That being said, we still realize these are these are kids. <laughs> like we're we're pushing forty each of us and. Uh, these are 16 to 19, 20 year olds. We're not going to totally destroy them or anything like that. Yeah. But, but you got to be fair, right? Like if the team's not playing well, then you got to say they're not playing well. They're playing great. Then, uh, hey, that's, it's fine. But you got to be balanced, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I take uh, offense to what you said about you don't have to have any qualifications to start a podcast. Like, <laughs> tone that down, hey? You don't want to let the secret yeah. out. Well, uh, yeah. To have a successful one, maybe. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> all right well as the season gets closer first off what sort of relationship do you have with the team like you're the unofficial podcast of the pats have the actual pats uh expressed you know that's great keep it up guys or uh we they tolerate us <laughs> and they they actually last year was a really big step they gave us press access um and the year before that so nice. um no they've been they've been welcoming um yeah, they haven't told us to stop, which is great. Um, so we try being respectful of, of logos and, and copyrights as much as we can. And uh, so far, so good. Um, but at the same time, we do want to keep a bit of a boundary. We don't. We, we like being able to speak freely. Um, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Chris, is, Chris has been the lucky one that's got to um, attend more of the press conferences. And so maybe he can speak to that a little bit more. Yeah, so I uh, I did the Dump Network uh, coverage for the team two seasons ago, and so that kind of got a, our foot in the door, and uh, you know dealing with the coaches and the players in person back when we you know could see people in person, and uh, you know there was there was some staff turnover after that season into this uh, this shortened season here, and uh, the new the new people on board this past season were. Uh, very uh, welcoming to us just as the podcast and they granted us the credentials so i was able to attend a few of the games in the regina hub and uh both of us were had access to the you know the press conferences all done on zoom obviously this past season so that was nice and then so there's going to be some more staff turnover going into next season this upcoming season i guess and uh so i guess we'll see what happens uh there see if the new people uh take kindly to our work as the last people did well you guys said you started in the uh, the memorial cup hosting season obviously the team was a lot of fun to watch that year lots of offense and, and things like that since then been a bit of a, a grind all that happens often uh, the the team that hosts or gets to the memorial cup they're gonna struggle the next couple of years after that has it been as fun as you thought it would be when you started in a really good year then to have to go through the the growth of the next couple of seasons. Has that changed uh, how you felt about it, Matt? Has it been as much fun as a fan? No. But doing the podcast has been as fun, yeah. I think. 
uh, as enjoyable because you really have to start. Uh, you, you really look at who maybe has potential on the team, who could build, who they can build and and uh, bring up, and and you're really now looking a few years out, right? So, uh, or any of those 16, 17 year olds that you're, you've seen a few years ago. Is it someone that you can see maturing and uh, developing? Right. Um, and from a fan side, you do get to see players that um, in a younger kind of rawer form and then get to see them develop. And um, for instance, we've seen guys like Riker Evans, uh, Logan Nyhoff, both really develop. Um, Riker came from uh, out of Notre Dame, I think it was, and has really developed now and became a what, second round draft pick with the Kraken. Like it's and that, you know, he may have not got that opportunity on mm-hmm. a quote unquote better team uh, to get all that ice time and develop and, and get to show off his skill. And so, you know, it's the records haven't been great and it's been a bit tough sometimes seeing uh, seeing it, but it, it's junior hockey. It's cyclical, right? That's you, you're going to have to accept that. Well, and that's I was going to bring up the cycle uh, eventually uh, this past season the, with the sub hub. Uh, in Regina, you guys were there. The Pats finished uh, in the division fifth. So if there was a regular playoff, wouldn't have made the playoffs. But how do you feel about the way the team played, Chris? Um, we knew they were going to be around that 500 mark. We thought, you know, there's some disappointments with some players, and you know, some standouts, obviously. So we thought maybe, maybe it should have been a little better. But uh, you know, with the with the situation, you can't you know, take for granted what the players and coaching staff all went through as well, even just to play this past season. So, you know, with, you know, with there not being any playoffs, it, you know, it's not the end of the world that they weren't there, but, uh, you know, like Matt said, you know, there's the development. We're going to see some players coming up here, hopefully, and, and making, um, some progress for this upcoming season. Well, we've gone five or six minutes, and we haven't even mentioned Connor Bedard yet. Matt, I'll throw it to you. You get to see him for 15 games in person last year. Obviously, I've said it several times. Guys come into the league with a lot of buzz. A lot of times they don't live up to expectations, or they don't live up to that buzz. This is a guy who blew right past all that buzz and exceeded expectations. Fair to say? Absolutely. And I was one... Because when we got him in the draft, uh, the media started buzzing, right? Like local media was picking it up and they were talking a lot about him. I I was cautiously optimistic. I just, like you said, some guys come in and they just, they don't succeed uh, what you would expect. So I was, I was cautious with him, but oh my goodness, I never got to see him in person like Chris did. Uh, he got to watch a few games, but I mean, you can even see on the, on the broadcast it's just a different level of player it is it i cannot wait to see him in person uh, i'll let chris speak to just what it's like to see him live uh i just i'm so excited for it <laughs> like i i became a i i tried not to but i'm right on the bedard fan train i think we all are right i mean 28 points in 15 games um chris you're you're the only one in this conversation that's seen him uh, with your own eyes so you give us a review you know, and everybody talks the goals, and everybody was talking a shot, and and yeah, that that is good, and you think it's probably on a the level of a a good nineteen year old, but he was only fifteen. But the thing thing that stood out to me was his playmaking, his vision. Like 
he knows where guys are on the ice, where they're going to be on the ice. You know that you can. That's the that next level player, right? And like there's one play, he was the first in on the puck, and he took a hit behind the icing line against the end boards, but he made the pass right out in front. To, uh, I it was probably Denemy since he set up. I think almost all of Denemy's goals, and it was in the back of the net before the goalie even realized what would happen. Like he he's just that step ahead and. And I know a referee that uh, did some games, and he said that he's directing the players out there. He's telling them where to go, what to do, and they're listening to him. So, you know, he's almost the on-ice leader of this team already. Well, and I mentioned he only played 15, what was it, 15 games, I think, with the Pats last year. Uh, But the team played up to 24, so the difference between when he was there and when he wasn't there was it significant, Matt? Yeah, and I, I do have some stats here. So it was a goal game difference when Bedard was there, and they were six and nine with him and two and seven without. And and stats like he, Chris was talking about Carson Denemy, which was such a unique dynamic between our youngest player and I think our oldest player. He was a twenty year old, so one of the oldest players had such chemistry. And when when Bedard left, uh, it just it evaporated. Denemy's production just fell off a cliff but it was a cool it was kind of a neat uh dynamic between those two all right well as we get set for this coming year and camps opening up here and just over what i guess it's about a couple of weeks now uh what are your expectations for this club and you look again with with them and he will be there so are you expecting that team that you saw in the first half of the sub hub or you know is there still lots of work to do um i think there's there's plenty of work to do um you know, he's obviously going to be leading this team offensively. It's kind of question mark, secondary scoring. We've seen a guy like Nyhoff kind of break out last year with 10 goals in the 24 games. You know, he, he hasn't been known as an offensive player, but uh, he had a really good uh, 24 games. And and you got to look at the 20-year-olds, whoever they decide, kind of between Smith and Shorney. Uh, one of those guys has to step up, um, put up some a career year and then then you go down the list you know guys that are moving up to that 19 year old spot there's plenty of them but none of them have you know uh a ton of production in their career and then you know then there's the goaltending situation they're going into the season with eight games of experience between three goals. and that's that's uh that's that's a serious uh situation i mean they brought in Ross last year and if it was a normal year yeah that's a great move um but with it just being the the 24 games I would have liked to seen Keeper and Welke see a lot more action that's for sure all right is Keeper the the clear-cut starter though in your mind I think so he got the the more uh more experience than Welke did last year Welke only got into two games Keeper got into seven I think he's he's the younger one. He's only going to be uh, 17 this year. Uh, Welke's 19, but uh, yeah, I think I think so. Unless Welke or the new uh, Keegan Maddox that they got back Victoria, if he's if they both have an outstanding camp or something, but I, I believe it's going to be keeper. Uh, Matt, we've seen uh, John Paddock make one trade already, getting Zach Stringer in from Lethbridge. I like that move a lot for uh, Regina. Comes at a big cost, though. First-round pick, but it's a first-round talent coming your way as well. and uh, So that's some added firepower up front. I'm guessing trying to find more offense uh, other than just what Connor's putting in 
Um, that's got to be the goal right now, doesn't it? Finding that offense. Well, secondary scoring, like Chris said, our second leading scorer was a defenseman last yeah. year. So <laughs> we need to find some more goals. Uh, you know, you can't put everything on Bedard. Um, it's the question, yeah, and you, you're referencing this trade. We gave up a first round for him. Uh, you're getting a first round talent back, but uh, you know, are we looking for another cycle? And that's a discussion we've been having with some other fans is, right? do you... Do you sell out? Do you build? Because really, how long's Bedard going to be here? What two two seasons now? That's it. NHL by eighteen. So time's ticking, right? You have to build a championship caliber team here if you want to to take advantage of Connor Bedard, and you have two seasons to do it. <laughs> so you need to start selling assets again. So that's my question: Is you know, I would I expect he got Bedard for this year. Next year he's drafted and then gone. Um, so two more seasons with Connor Bedard, and that's it. Is there enough for John Paddock to build a championship team over the next two seasons with Bedard, Chris? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, honestly, I don't think so. Like we're still coming out of that last sell-off, right? right? The championship run and the Memorial Cup run. Uh, like it's like these guys coming up are still like lower end picks. You know, there isn't a ton of you know, first, second round talent in in the depths of these uh, of this roster. So that's that's, like, that's the problem. Matt, I think it was you that made the point in one of your uh, might have been your season finale that when it comes to all the exceptional status players, I think is it only Joe Valeno has actually won a league championship. Yes, that's true. I I looked that up actually. Yeah, that that is right. You know, these these exceptional status players aren't going to good teams, right? Right. And if you only have them for three years. It's it's tough turnaround, and I mean Regina wasn't the bottom of the barrel like uh, like some of these other teams have been, and you know they were an okay team, but they're still still just okay, right? It's it's going to be a tough 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 job to get to the top in a short two years here. All right, so Matt, here's the tough question then: If you can't win, do you trade him next year in his NHL draft season? Would that be the best thing for the Pats organization long term, or do you need him to to play out his WHL career being a Regina Pat? You you trade him, you trade him in in January, and get just a king's ransom for him, and just so whatever team is taking them, hopefully it's one of our rivals, <laughs> uh, and then then they're in a they maybe they win for a year, uh, but uh, hopefully then they're in a build rebuild and then you have all those assets john paddock i believe recognizes talent and if you give him enough draft picks uh high-end draft picks he could he could build a, a good team from from those chris do you agree or do you, are you hang on to him i guess he's it depends where the team's at at that point but uh i wouldn't be opposed to trading him right because this team has been down for quite a while and if they're down for another three years after that season that's going to yeah. be tough on the fan base um i mean if they're in if they're comfortable in a playoff spot you know anything can happen in the playoffs sure but if you're you know on the cusp of the playoffs or out outside looking in well then i think you got you got to make a make a a deal guys uh, who who are some of the young guys that you're maybe waiting to see like all right is this guy going to make the team this year can this guy be an impact player maybe it's somebody that played a handful of games last year is there Somebody, Matt, that comes to mind when you're thinking 
see what this guy can bring to the table. Um, a guy that comes to my mind, he did play a number of games last year, but I think may be able to take a big step as Leighton Feist. Uh, he's a high-end draft pick um, a couple of years ago, and he's got some offensive talent. Kind of reminds me of like a Connor Hobbs that we had in the past. Um, someone, you know, a younger guy, Tanner Howe, played a couple games with us last year, and I think he he had some impressive uh, showings. I think would be someone that could take a step for us. Uh, who else do you think, Chris? Uh, Howe was my pick there, so... Uh... Uh, I'll have to go with someone, I don't know, maybe like, they just signed a couple guys, like Barnett out of the Pat Canadians, AAA, uh, there's a Colorado kid, Borea Vallis, I don't think we know anything about, you know, so maybe he's a guy that comes in, unknown, that can uh, help out the team somehow. Uh, and then defensively, yeah, like Feist definitely is definitely a guy that really looks uh, looks promising, for sure. An older player that just has not got his chance to show us yet either is Jacob Brook. Uh, so he was acquired with the Max Paddock trade and broke his his ankle the first poof, five minutes of the of last season in the hub. And uh, gosh, I just I, I I really am rooting for him and pulling for him that he has success this year after such a uh, disappointing uh, end to his season last year. And uh, he he seems to have the talent and if he stayed healthy and in shape over the last couple months um really excited to see him play too guys there are lots of good rivalries in the whl every team seems to have like an arch rival but uh, the the legendary regina pats moose jaw warriors rivalry um you guys host the fan podcast uh, how much do you hate the, the warriors with every being in my body i just i can't we've gone to a few games there and it just Oh my gosh. Every second we're there just keeps kindling it. And you know, it's not even hockey. You go there for like Western Major League Baseball, and it's the same thing. It's like Moose Shot just grinds me. I'm sure they feel the same way. Do they have fans that travel to, uh, to, to watch the games in Regina? Oh, they bring their drum. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give a shout out to Drum Guy. We hear you. And absolutely, it goes both ways. And I absolutely love it, though. I just love it. It's so much fun. That's great. Chris, uh, where do people find uh, the Pats cast, and uh, when do you guys get back at it, if you haven't already? Uh, you can catch us on Twitter. That's where we're mostly hanging out, at uh, WHLPatsCast. Uh, we do a little bit on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we were just planning to do a new show. Hopefully, we'll get one out this week. Uh, we're both on holidays out of town next week, so we should probably get one going here soon. <laughs> uh, Matt, anything else that you want fans to know? No, looking forward to getting back in the rink. Uh, that's usually how I signed off my, my episodes with see at the rink, and uh, we haven't got to do that for a while. So really excited to see fans back and enjoy some, some great WHL hockey. Well, terrific, guys. I appreciate your time, and uh, this was a lot of fun. I encourage people to give the uh, Pats cast a try if they haven't already. It's a, it's a great listen. And uh, enjoy the season, fellas. We will. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having us. Here's Matt Van Us and Chris Clark, the uh, two hosts behind the Patscast, a fan podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Regina Pats. And uh, they do a terrific job. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the show, why don't you give it a listen? You can follow them on Twitter at WHL Patscast.
that whole subject about what to do with Connor Bedard is going to be, I think it's going to be a hot topic for the next two seasons. I, I don't see the Pats this year as a, a contender. I don't think they're going to be the best team in their division. I think they make the playoffs based just on how good Bedard is. But there's lots of work there for uh, John Paddock to do. And I don't know how much ammunition he has to try to make that team better. And so I think you're going to get into the start of next year and wondering, all right, wh- what is the best thing for the the organization to do? And arguably for Bedard as well, for his development. You know, would it be better for him to be playing on a contending team? I go back when uh, the Pats had uh, Jordan Eberle and Colton Tubert and guys like that on the squad. And uh, Brent Parker was the GM there. And I had that conversation with him. They were a team the one year with uh, those guys I think it was, I want to say it was their their final year in the, the WHL where they weren't contenders. And I asked them that question, you know, do you move those guys? Would it be better for the organization to move players like that? And he told me then, and I've heard it from other GMs as well, so this isn't just him speaking, but there is something to having those guys play their entire career as Pats. I don't know if it's a prestige thing for the organization, but it's, honestly, it is. So we'll see. You, that's a, a good topic for conversation, though. Let me know at TPS underscore Gee what you think. Uh, you know, if, if the Pats don't look like contenders come Christmas of 2022, should they consider moving Connor Bedard? Up next, we uh, hit another podcaster. Her name is Caitlin Berry. She's been on the show before. She's an avid follower of the Ontario Hockey League, but she's based in England. And the podcast that she's on is the Hockey from Across the Pond podcast. Let's get to know Caitlin Barry, and we'll talk about some of those uh, British players who are a couple of them coming, I believe a couple, coming to the CHL. One, in fact, to the Western Hockey League. So let's talk to Caitlin Barry about that and more next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Left wing side, Sergei Borowski to the offensive zone, pass right side, Henry is shot, he scores! Oh, what a goal! 21 seconds into the second, and the Pats lead 3-0. Hey, uh, this is Nick Henry from the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, it's one of my personal favorites, but tell the people about it. The vacation Mexican lager. When the chores are done, the lawn is mowed or the sidewalk shoveled. This Mexican lager is perfect for floating on fresh powder or floating down the river. Vacation lager is a little getaway every day. Player comparable, Sidney Crosby can do it all and is always in the conversation of the very best. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hello there. All right, we're back on The Pipeline Show, and uh, we're going to continue getting to know other uh, fellow podcasters who are covering junior or college hockey. And uh, for this segment, we're going to look at the OHL. To do that, we're heading all the way over to England. Caitlin Barry, welcome back to The Pipeline Show. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me back on the show. I appreciate you making time again. Now, you've been doing a bunch of work with Dauber lately, and of course, you have your own podcast, The Hockey from Across the Pond uh, podcast. Uh, and I want to pick your brain about the OHL, but maybe let's start with the, with the podcast. And uh, for those who haven't heard it yet, how do they get a, a copy of it? How do they? Where do they go to download it? And how did it all start for you? 
Yeah. So the podcast, it's I think I think it's available on on the Apple Podcasts, it's Spotify, Anchor. I think we're starting to upload things to YouTube now. Mm-hmm. So if you type in hockey from across the pond, you should be able to find it. Um, it, it just kind of came about kind of randomly. My friend Mark, who is an, another sort of big um, hockey follower guy in the UK, mm-hmm. he messaged me out in the blue one day because he was running this podcast already, and he said that he needed a co-host. So I got involved. And it's been kind of nice because I'm following the OHL, so I have my OHL bit of the podcast, and he follows the AHL, so he has that bit of the podcast. So that's basically why it's called Hockey from Across the Pond. We're two British people talking about North American hockey and trying to impart our opinions on it. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It, it sounds funny because, you know, you're so far away from the actual yeah. the games. How did you first get into it? I, I know we probably talked about this when you were on the last time, but uh, for those who maybe didn't hear that conversation, what attracted you to the Ontario Hockey League? Yeah, so I got into hockey initially in the UK with the UK Pro League, the EIHL here. Yep. Um, and I loved it so much, and I wanted to learn absolutely everything about it. So I found about I found out about the NHL. Um, I was about a year or two into learning about the NHL that I discovered the draft, and for some reason that really excited me. Just the <laughs> thought of getting to know the players that are coming into this main league, mm-hmm. um, and so I just I just wanted to watch more hockey. I literally was just trying to find any other thing that I could follow. So, and for some reason, the OHL was my pick out of the three CHL leagues, and I just fell in love with it. I also spent a little bit of time over in Canada. I spent about nine months over in Ontario, and I think that kind of solidified the love for the OHL. All right, and I know I think Kitchener is your your team, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Because um, what when I was over in Canada, I I was in the University of Waterloo for a bit which is right next to Kitchener. So I went to a lot of Kitchener Rangers games. All right. And I know you cut up during the season, you're cutting up audio or or video rather and uh, showing the highlights all the time. You got to be doing that in that two or three in the morning for you, no? Yeah. Most of the games seem to start around midnight to 1 a.m. And then they usually end at about 3 or 4 a.m. So especially on the weekends, I'm pretty much nocturnal. (laughs) But it's it's my favorite thing. It's, It's my favorite league in the world. Well, that's dedication for you. Uh, now, I I like the uh, in your bio on Twitter, which you can follow Caitlin at Caitlin Sports, Caitlin with a, a C C A I T L I N Sports, uh, the uh, Queen of the OHL and the uh, uh, spiritually Canadian. I, I found that funny. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't say that you're the unofficial president of the uh, Liam Kirk fan club, though. But I think that's probably true too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely <laughs> true. Liam Kirk, for some reason, over I I guess ever since he joined the OHL. He's sort of become part of my brand, I guess, because um, when he was in Peterborough, it was something that I already knew about, which is the OHL, and I could bring his experience there over to fans in the UK. Right. And so I just started following him, and his story is so amazing, and I think that's why a lot of people have started following him. And, yeah, I'm just keeping up with every single little thing he does now. I think he's fantastic, and I'm so happy he signed with Arizona. Do you see him sort of a, a somewhat of a pioneer? I know there have been other British players who have played, but he's pretty high profile. And do you, do you think he inspires a younger generation of, of British hockey players to, you know, further their career and, and maybe follow what he's done? And oh, oh, definitely. I mean, even over the past few years or so, when hockey camps are run in the UK, there's like teams named after Liam Kirk. Wow. He's already he's already such a pioneer in this country just for what he's done. And the dedication and the, the sort of pathway he's taken, having developed 
in the UK. Most players who uh, who want to play in the NHL or have aspirations to play abroad go and play in Europe or, or go and play in America. But he spent most of his development years up until basically when he was 18 in the UK, and that, that really hasn't been done before. So, yeah, he's definitely someone that a lot of, of young players in the UK look up to. So is that a sign then or a signal that minor hockey in England is is growing and becoming stronger and stronger? Uh, it's, that's kind of a difficult question. There's been a lot of discourse in the in the UK hockey scene recently about development in British hockey. Hmm. It's People are starting to show it more attention, especially after uh, Liam Kirk. People are starting to actually invest in the development of these young players, but it needs a lot more buy-in, particularly from the top leagues in the UK, because um, right now it's kind of been neglected a little bit, but hopefully we get to see some change. Well, we, we have seen uh, two players in the most recent CHL import draft, uh, two players from England, or at least that have English passports, I would I would guess, uh, who have been drafted, and uh, one has committed already to come and play, and he'll be in the Western Hockey League with the Seattle Thunderbirds. That's uh, Leon Prada, uh, if I said that part of his name correctly I, I skipped the middle part of his name because i know i'd butcher that but what can, <laughs> what can you tell me about this uh, this defenseman yeah really not a lot of people know about him and it definitely wasn't a name that a lot of people knew heading into the chl import draft um but we actually uh did an interview with him on the podcast hockey from across the pond he's he's a remarkable young man um just for an example he speaks five languages which wow. is crazy um, so yeah, he, he was born in England, so he does have a, a, a British passport, but he actually started playing hockey when his family moved to the Netherlands, and since then he's basically played all over Europe in Austria, in the Swedish junior leagues, um, and yeah, he, he's kind of an unassuming guy when you talk to him, but just the fact that he's he's developed his game through all those different countries and all those different systems makes him a really interesting player. He's a big, big right-handed defenseman, um, really confident with the puck on his stick. He, he excels in possession of the puck. Um, he can play on the power play and penalty kill. He really excels in breakouts. If, if you do manage to find highlights on the internet, some do exist. Um, there's just a lot of highlights of him just skating the puck through all three zones like it's absolutely nothing, even though he's a big guy. His skating is fantastic for a six-foot-one player. Um, and... I know that was something that was really emphasized when he played in Sweden, at least. Uh, yeah, he's very excited about going to the WHL. One of the main things that he spoke about when, when we spoke to him was um, just the amount of fans and just the amount of exposure that players get in the WHL. There are massive fan bases behind these teams. A ton of fans go to games and are invested. And a lot of the players on the teams get NHL exposure, and a lot of them are actually drafted into the NHL. So I know that that's really something that he, he kind of has his eye on and that he's working towards. But yeah, I, I would highly recommend people watch him when he goes to Seattle because, again, not many people know about him, but he's definitely going to be a fun one to watch. No, it's going to be a challenge for you because Seattle's three hours later even than the OHL. So you're going to be up till six in the morning cutting up highlights of him. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I I kind of vowed that I am going to watch quite a lot of his games in order to make highlights and, and gifts of him because he deserves the attention. But yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot of late nights. Uh, Caitlin Berry is my guest. She's uh, over in England and uh, one of the hosts of the um, uh, Hockey from Across the Pond podcast. You can also, she does work for uh, Dauber Hockey as well, scouting the OHL. 
Uh, Alex Graham was drafted by the Niagara Ice Dogs in the import draft, but I don't see where he's playing next year. So I don't know if that's still up in the air or if you know what uh, his plans are. I honestly don't know. He hasn't signed with Niagara yet, and I haven't heard any word about what he's doing. Um, but hopefully we'll find out soon. Well, it seems like he's, uh, on paper at least, six foot two. Uh, so 189-ish centimeters and uh, 87 kilograms is what Elite Prospects uh, lists him at, 192 pounds. Uh, but everywhere he's gone, he's putting up numbers. This would seems like he would be a guy that Niagara would be uh, eager to get under contract. Oh, yeah. Niagara needs scoring, and they have a bunch of those kind of supporting scoring guys. So having someone like Alex Graham would be fantastic. He is kind of that prototypical sort of power forward guy. He is a big kid. He's really strong. Um, he's played against men for the past few years in the UK. And he, he, he just loves to score goals. His shot is is absolutely insane. He The power that he gets behind it is amazing. Um, he can pretty much score from anywhere on the ice. He has those sort of offensive instincts. There is a kind of a question mark that people uh, get to with Graham, which is his skating and his mm-hmm. uh, speed maybe isn't amazing but if that's something that he can develop and i think it's something that will develop if he gets into the ohl then yeah he's he's also going to be a very fun one to watch if he does make the jump over i was going to ask about the skating because he was draft eligible last year nhl draft eligible and wasn't taken but he's got the size and it seems like he's able to put up points maybe this is a guy who should come over and play and get more exposure by playing in the in the canadian hockey league what do you think yeah, that's that's a hundred percent my view. He's never really going to get, in my opinion, he's never really going to get a fair chance to develop in the UK. Um, the elite league, the top league in the UK, doesn't show a huge commitment to British players. It, there's been a whole thing that's come up recently about that. So I, I feel like if he wants to develop his game, if he wants to work on his skating and basically become the best player he can be, going somewhere like the CHL would absolutely be the best move for him i I wanted to ask you about that actually because i I was scrolling through your your uh, your twitter feed and it seems like that is a a hot button topic there that the the elite league there isn't uh, providing enough opportunity or a lot of opportunity for british players why is that yeah it's 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 baffling when you think about it because it is the top league in the uk and yet the chairman of the league uh, came out a few weeks ago and basically said that they are reducing the number of Brits, uh, like the the limit on each of their teams, uh, because he, in his words, it's a question of quality. He thinks that import players will bring more skill to the league and developing British players takes a bit more time and money and maybe they won't bring a, a quite as good of a product to the ice, hmm. which you can see a lot of people had a lot of opinions about. But hopefully it's something that, given the outrage, hopefully something will be done about that. All right, there's another player I wanted to ask you about because, uh, again, in your Twitter feed, you, you seem to be a big fan of Jack Hopkins. He's uh, draft eligible this year. Not the biggest guy in the world, 5'11", uh, which is, uh, what, about 180 centimeters? Uh, unlisted at 71 kilograms, so 157 pounds. If you chopped off my arms and my legs, we'd be about the same <laughs> size. So, uh, But this is a guy, it seems like everywhere he plays, huge numbers. It's just a couple of years ago, he had 101 points in 18 games playing in his peer group uh, when he was uh, surrounded by players his own age. Huge numbers with this guy. So tell me about Jack Hopkins. Yeah, the interesting thing about those numbers is, is if you look at Liam Kirk's um, history and his elite prospects, 
He had very similar numbers at, at the U16 and U18 and levels to Jack Hopkins. Hmm. Um, Jack Hopkins is possibly the most skilled young player coming out of the UK right now. He has that that elite sort of vision that kind of sets sets players apart. He's very skilled. Um, last year he uh, played against men, and this year he was playing against men for the very first time, and he led the league in points straight away. His first time playing against men. Um, he he is 17 years old, and he's just signed a uh, a two way contract with the top. Uh, league in the uk the elite league he was one of the teams there and one of the lower teams all men's teams so hopefully he should be able to develop there um i know a lot of people wanted him to go abroad because mm-hmm. I, I think he's fantastic enough to uh develop abroad and, and, and to get that exposure in part of his game but hopefully playing in in these leagues hopefully he can put up a ton of points because that seems to be what he's doing anyway and get that exposure that way because i definitely feel like he's good enough Maybe even to get drafted into the import draft next year if he gets that exposure, and possibly even the NHL uh, a year or two down the line because he is fantastically skilled. He can score goals like absolutely nothing. He can skate around players. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, the, on my on my Twitter feed, if anyone wants to check him out, if you scroll down a bit, I have retweeted a, a video, which is basically a highlight video of all Jack Hopkins highlights recently and it's a lot of fun so yeah yeah that's where i saw it and you know last year he didn't play a ton only eight games he was playing in germany and and maybe that's the reason i was surprised that he wasn't picked in the import draft just because of those numbers that he put up and as he said he seems to be a, a scoring dynamo yeah the whole thing about um leagues in the uk is obviously exposure um not a lot of scouts even in the chl and especially in the nhl are looking at these, particularly the lower leagues in the UK, like the NIHL, which is a, a step or two down from the EIHL. And so it's it's a lot harder for these guys to kind of get that, get the the eyes on them. But hopefully, if there is enough sort of fanfare around this guy, I'm certainly going to be tweeting every single thing he does. Hopefully, he'll get picked up and, and actually get some acknowledgement and actually gets get get seen because he's definitely good enough to has he played internationally for england yet uh, like in u18s or or u20s or anything like that i don't think so i think he was going to play in the u18s before but that that was the year that everything got cancelled uh, yeah. because of pandemics um but he is on the preliminary roster for the u18 team um going to the end of this year and start of next year and there is also a possibility that he could be called up to the GBU 20 team. So nice. hopefully we actually will get to see him in some international tournaments because that's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, what do you guys have coming up, uh, Caitlin, on your show? We're kind of just reevaluating um, ahead of the new season basically coming in. Um, there's a lot of things to, to work out, but we've just started doing a new segment where I talk about Basically, all the things coming up in the OHL because there is so much uncertainty going into the OHL this year. Um, we may have some other little fun interviews coming up with maybe some OHL uh, staff members, people like that. But ah. it's not not something I can really talk about yet. But yeah, there's there's a few fun things coming up on the podcast. All right, we don't want to jinx it, so we'll we'll leave it at that. Uh, Caitlin, I really appreciate your time. It was great catching up uh, once again. I hope you don't mind if I call you again down the road. 
Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. There's Caitlin Berry from Hockey from Across the Pond podcast and uh, also Dauber Prospects, uh, where she's uh, scouting the Ontario Hockey League. And you can always follow her, as I mentioned, at Caitlin Sports on Twitter. And throughout the uh, Ontario Hockey League season, she is throwing up highlight clips uh, all the time. She's a really good follow on Twitter, uh, especially if you're a fan of the Ontario Hockey League. Great to catch up with her once again, and I appreciate her making the time like that in, uh, you know, obviously a, a big time difference. So it was uh, nice of her to, to do that for the show. All right, coming up next uh, by uh, audience request. I got an email a couple of days ago from a, a listener who said uh, that they heard last week's show and they were asking me who I should get on to talk about junior college hockey podcasts. Well, You've heard both of these guests on the show in the past, but they have a, a college hockey podcast. Mick Hatton covers the St. Cloud State Huskies, and Jess Myers covers the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. Together, they have a podcast called The Rink Live. We'll talk to them about the show and about the Huskies and the Gophers ahead of this coming season. We'll do that next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by the best beef jerky in Alberta. Of course, that's Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Zach Glant from the Peterborough Pete. There's a shot. Yeah. Taylor, Galant. That's a big goal as he goes upstairs and he's on a roll. Zach Galant. Wow. And that cuts the lead to 2-1 right off the faceoff. His seventh. And this is the Pipeline Show. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Andy Green. Score! And Ryan Miller were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. We are back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we're going to have an, a college campus uh, report. And, of course, those segments always brought to you by our friends at College Hockey, Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your college eligibility, well, you can get in touch with uh, Mike Snee or Nate Yule, and they will help uh, answer any questions you might have. Uh, check out their website as well. Great resource there. And, of course, the Pipeline Show, the program, is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in Alberta. My uh, two guests today, they uh, are uh, podcast partners as well. At uh, What's what's the show called? In Rink Live? The Rink Live. The Rink Live. And that's uh, Mick Hatton, who covers the uh, St. Cloud Huskies uh, of uh, St. Cloud State, and uh, Jess Myers, who covers the Golden Gophers uh, at the University of Minnesota. Gentlemen, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Thanks, Guy. I, did, I didn't even realize I'm on brand. I'm wearing my College Hockey Inc. Uh, shirt today. So oh, look at that. I'm, I'm repping the sponsors, Evan. So. Ah, perfect. And and Mick, you got the frozen, which uh, frozen forehead is that? This is actually a frozen face-off hat from the uh, NCHC. I think it's 2016. Okay. Uh, well, let's start, Mick. Maybe we'll start with you or, or whoever's brainchild it was for you guys to come together. Whose idea was it originally? You start. Well, uh, you know, they, they decided to to uh, start our website, uh, you know, the rinklive.com. I, I think it was just correct me if I'm wrong, 2018. 
It was, yeah, about three years ago almost. And uh, yeah. Yeah, the folks at Forum Communications, which is based in Fargo, North Dakota, but but covers the entire you know Midwestern area with newspapers and websites. Uh, this was kind of their brainchild to to create a hockey specific site, and uh, I feel absolutely blessed to to get this opportunity. And I know uh, you know working with Nick has been a lot of fun, obviously. Well, and to get two guys who are in different conferences now, and I know that it's the same state. Um, but was that always the, the plan is to, cause that way you're covering two different conferences at the same time? Well, it, it, it was interesting because, uh, initially the way the job descriptions were, were written, uh, just was actually going to be covering like three conferences and three different schools. Wow. And, uh, it, it ended up kind of getting boiled down to, you know, and not that just doesn't cover, uh, you know, a little bit of everything uh, for us, but, uh, it, it, it's his main focus is, is the Gophers. Uh, initially, I wasn't going to be doing as much writing as, as I've done. Um, uh, and, but, you know, when, when I came over from uh, the St. Cloud newspaper, uh, you know, I, I brought a lot of the St. Cloud State fans kind of came with me. Uh, and whenever I would write something about St. Cloud State, uh, it started, you know, it did pretty well on our website. So, uh, that kind of evolved into me basically <laughs> uh, getting back to being a, a beat reporter. Uh, but, uh, you know, and now, you know, Justin and I have been kind of splitting St. Thomas with St. Thomas moving up to Division One. Right. We've been splitting some duties there. Uh, we're, we're still kind of formulating our plan for, for that. But the great thing on, on our website is that, uh, you know, the company also owns the newspapers in Grand Forks. So you get Brad Schlossman stuff uh, there as well. Uh, we have the Duluth newspaper, so we get Matt Wellen stuff. Uh, we own the Bemidji papers, so we get all the Bemidji State hockey stuff. Uh, you know, Minnesota State Mankato. So th- this past Frozen Four was <laughs> a-, a good thing for us. That's uh, right. We had it pretty well covered. No kidding, uh, Jess. Uh, for for yourself, when you're in Minnesota and you got so many schools uh, close like that, uh, I, I, your focus though is the Gophers, correct? First and foremost, my focus, my focus is the Gophers first and foremost. And, and, you know, jokingly, I hear about it from a, a few Gopher people anytime I write about something else. They're right. like, hey, why aren't you, why aren't you doing more Gopher stuff? But I do try to get out. You know, there's so many great hockey stories. Uh, the Gophers are, are, you know, a, a huge topic, but beyond that, there's just so much fun hockey happening in Minnesota. We're really blessed to, to be able to cover, uh, all that we do here in this area and have, you know, so many great storylines intersecting with six division one teams in the state and, and three, you know, playing in three different conferences now. And, uh, and, and you just all the players, not only from Minnesota that are heading elsewhere to play, but, but then, you know, this has really become a destination state for a lot of players. Now, you know, the Gophers have got, uh, when 25 years ago, they were absolutely all Minnesotans on the team. Now it's, you know, guys from Phoenix and guys from California and Canadians. And, you know, it's, it's really a nice mix of people that have made Minnesota kind of a hockey destination. Too. And a Canadian will be wearing a C this year for the Gophers, I believe. I, I, I tweeted that for, first time since 1963. Uh, a Canadian guy is going to be one of the captains for the Gophers this year, Jack LaFontaine, who was the top goalie in college hockey last year, winning the, the Mike Richter Award. He's a kid from Mississauga, Ontario. And, and the previous one, Lou Nanny from Sault Ste. Marie, uh, he, he was the last guy to, to put the C on. So uh, it's interesting to see just how much this program has changed that way and, again, become a, a real destination for guys from not just from inside the state. 
for the rink live, is it just college hockey? You're in Minnesota. It's the state of hockey. High school hockey is so big in Minnesota. Mick, do you guys dip your toe into that pool at all, or do you have enough to work with when it just comes to college hockey? No, I mean, with again, with the, the, the newspapers that we have, we actually get information and, and stories from uh, newspapers in, in Minnesota and North Dakota. So we have uh, high school stuff uh, from, from both of those uh, states. And then uh, also, you know, junior hockey, uh, which is getting to be, you know, seems like it's getting bigger every year in in, in this area, but uh, from North Dakota and in Minnesota as well. So, yeah, you can get a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, most of our NHL stuff that we have on there is is Minnesota Wild based. We we have a working agreement with the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, basically from. The high school level uh, on up, we've got a little bit of something. Uh, minor league hockey is probably the one thing that we don't hit. You know, we don't have uh, you know a, a beat for. Or we don't have a newspaper that's necessarily covering a, a minor league team at this point. But uh, every other level, though, it seems like we 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 do touch those bases a lot. All right, I want to get into the Huskies and the Gophers, but uh, you mentioned junior hockey in Minnesota. I just had Bill Robertson uh, on the show. He's the new commissioner for the USHL. I'm sure you guys know that, but uh used to be with the WCHA. I, I asked him the question about Minnesota and the USHL, and he, he says he has no idea. He can't understand. He's amazed that there isn't USHL franchises in the state of Minnesota. Can you guys foresee that happening? Because it seems to me everybody I talk to, even players who leave to go to the USHL, they leave high school in Minnesota to go to the USHL or up here to the WHL. They're almost like shunned. It's like, don't leave high school hockey in Minnesota. Could you ever see the USHL actually taking hold in Minnesota? It's it, That's an interesting question, especially for people like Mick and I who grew up in the era of the St. Paul Vulcans and the Rochester Mustangs and the Austin Mavericks. And, you know, the, the USHL had a, a very big and very strong footprint in Minnesota. But I think it's a testament to just how much the USHL has changed. You know, it, it, when we were in high school, you know, 30 years ago or so, the USHL was a place you went if you weren't good enough to play college hockey right away. It's like, you know, <laughs> right. The best players made the jump directly from high school to college uh, at the Division One level. And then the guys who weren't quite ready for that went to places like Austin or St. Paul or the Thunder Bay Fires or, you know, whoever it happened to be. And they played a year or two there to kind of get their skills in order and and get a little higher level of hockey. And you know, th- those teams in Minnesota played at high school rinks or they played at small college rinks. And now you see what the USHL has become in places like Nebraska and Illinois and Pennsylvania and all these places, you know, they have their own rinks. They're getting, you know, four, five, six thousand fans a night, uh, things like that. So I remember talking to a previous commissioner of the USHL and I said, how do you not have a team in Minnesota? His reaction was simple. He said, if somebody wants us to build a facility and, and start a team, we'll absolutely talk to them. But it's not like you can just shove a USHL team as the second or third tenant in a high school rink anymore. Hmm. Like if you ask Brett Larson or, or or Bob Motzko, like a lot of them want guys to come and play in the USHL before they come to the Division Absolutely. One level, right? I mean, it's it's that speaks to not just to how good the USHL has become, but also college hockey's gotten a lot better, and it's hard for guys to step right in from high school. Fair to say? Oh, that's very fair to say. It, it, it's much more the exception rather than the the, the rule that uh, you go from high school to. Uh, to the co- directly to college, uh, you know, th- this uh, coming season with St. Cloud State, they're going to have a rarity where the guy who was Mr. Hockey, uh, Jack Piart from from Grand Rapids, is going to come right from from high school to, to the college ranks. But 
that happens, you know, once every three, four years. Ryan Paling, you know, he actually yep. uh, was, was a guy that uh, he graduated a year early from high school so that it, basically his senior year of high school, he was a freshman at St. Cloud State. Again, those guys are the exceptions, though. You know, Ryan Paling was the first-round draft pick of the Canadians, yeah. and uh, uh, Pierre went uh, in the second round to to the Minnesota Wild. But th- those guys are the exceptions rather than the rule now. The, basically, the rule is you're going to play at least a year of, of juniors, and preferably with some of these guys, you know, two years. Uh, some of the best St. Cloud State players are guys that have actually played three years of junior hockey. Jess, any thoughts on that before we get into the teams you cover? Well, and I will say, you know, uh, Mick, you mentioned Jack Pert, and, you know, I think of like Sammy Walker and some of these rare players that have been Mr. Hockey winners, which means you're the top player in high school hockey in Minnesota for your senior year. But even those guys, you know, Pert last year and Walker before him have done what's called the before and after, where you play, you know, 10 games maybe for a USHL team, then you go play your high school season. As soon as your high school season is done, you're back in – Omaha or Tri-Cities or wherever it happens to be. So even the guys who are making the jump directly from high school to, to college, which is rare, are still getting some USHL games under their belts. I remember going back 15 years ago or so, uh, a kid won Mr. Hockey, and I talked to his his coach at, at the college where he was committed. I said, boy, this guy looks like a good player. And the coach, who's now retired, said, quite frankly, he's like, yeah, we think he's a good player. Now we're going to go have him play a year of USHL, and we're going to see if he can actually play. You know, so that's kind of this uh, trial by fire thing that these coaches like to do. We get them at a higher level, you know, uh, get them on the bus traveling and, and you know, get kind of get a taste of that and see if they're ready to make that jump to college. Mick Hatton and Jess Myers, uh, my guests, they're the two hosts for uh, uh, In Rink Live, uh, call it, covering college hockey, but they both uh, uh, cover uh, individual teams as well as a few others in Minnesota as well. Um, Mick, let's get to the uh, the Huskies this year. Get to the Frozen Four and the uh, the national championship game. Obviously, they've lost a lot of players from last year's team. It was a, a team built to win last year. Uh, what are you expecting from the Huskies this year? How different will they look? Actually, they're not going to look that different because ah. with the extra year uh, given by NCAA to these guys, uh, most of the guys uh, for, for St. Cloud State uh, have opted to come back. Wow. Uh, they've, lost, they've lost a few guys. They lost uh, Will Hammer. Uh, uh, he decided to, uh, he, he had a good job lined up and, and, uh, you know, was finishing up his, his master's degree. He decided to, to move on. Uh, Jared Cockrell was, uh, a guy that was on Will Hammer's line that technically the, the, the fourth line or whatever for, for St. Cloud State, but, uh, he, he ended up signing an ECHL deal. Uh, you know, Tyler Anderson, one of their defensemen. Uh, he decided he's going, actually, he's a Canadian who, uh, is uh, going on to medical school. Uh, but those are really the, that's about what they've lost. I mean, they, they are going to have basically everything, everybody else coming back, including their goalie, David Rennick. He is. Okay. Who's going to be a, a fifth year senior. Uh, so uh, they're bringing in, uh, you know, it, uh, we mentioned Jack, uh, you know, the defenseman, uh, who they have a lot of expectations for, obviously, uh, you know, bringing him straight from, from high school, uh, help Fargo get to the USHL champ, you know, the Clark Cup uh, championship series, won, won the Western Conference. Uh, Jack was a big part of that. Uh, you know, he was on their top defensive pairing, uh, as a 17 year old, which you don't hear of very often in that league. 
Um, they think uh, he's going to come in and do some great things. Josh Lutke is a, a, a defenseman who is from Minnetonka. He, he played with Des Moines last year. He's going to come in. They're, they're going to be extremely deep on defense because all the rest of their defensemen are coming back. So it's going to be a, a dogfight for those guys to get into the lineup. Uh, and then uh, Mason Sulquist is is probably the top is the top forward coming coming in. Uh, and then they uh, added uh, Eden Spellacy, who uh, is a graduate transfer uh, from Robert Morris. So that out of that whole tough situation out there, but uh, so they're they're going to be stacked. And, and I think, you know, a lot of people are uh, have a lot of expectations for them uh, with making it all the way you know, to the national championship game, took second in the NCHC uh, to a very good uh, North Dakota team uh, in both the regular season and in, in the playoffs. So uh, there are, there's as high an expectations as uh, there maybe has ever been uh, coming off of the, what they did in the, in the NCAA tournament. Well, that's amazing that they're getting so many guys back from last year's team. It's definitely going to be a motivated group, right? You get that close, uh, that hunger is going to be there for sure. Because there's so many guys coming back then, was there a chance or maybe it happened? I don't know. Did anybody that was expected to join the team as freshmen this year, did they look at the transfer portal and say, well, I'm not going to get any ice time. Maybe I got to go somewhere else. Did that happen at all? Uh, there, there's, there's one defenseman that who hadn't really played in the last uh, couple of seasons. And he's, he's heading off to, uh, Trevor Zins. He's heading off to St. Thomas. Uh, that, that's kind of the one, the one guy I think that, that entered the, the portal, but, uh, yeah, the, the rest, uh, rest of those guys have all stuck around that. That also tells you, I guess, something about the culture that they've kind of created. And, mm-hmm. and like, when you get that close, when you get that close to something like that, uh, you want you want to get another shot at it. Sure. Uh, Jess, with the Gophers, uh, is that a similar situation? Are they getting a lot of their seniors back too? I know guys like Sample Ranta and Scott Reedy, they've already signed and played pros, so they're not coming back. But uh, oh, anybody else? Interesting situation at the University of Minnesota with the transfer portal because they had a, a couple other contributors last year that were pretty pretty serious high point guys. Uh, the one that comes to mind most prominently is Brandon McManus, who I think was second or third on the team in scoring. Bob Motzko kind of made it clear to these guys that other than goalie Jack LaFontaine, who we talked about, who was the top goalie in the country last year, at least according to the the award voters, uh, he wasn't really interested in bringing any of those guys back for another year. Uh, The big reason is, you know, you look at this freshman class that they've got coming in and it's like, I can't ask these guys to wait any longer. You know, I have to give these guys a, a, a place to play college hockey that they've been promised, you know, and asking a guy like Chaz Lucius, who was a first-round draft pick of the Winnipeg Jets, asking him to wait another year was just a non-starter. So um, they did kind of clear out a bunch of the seniors that, that potentially could have come back for a fifth year. McManus, I mentioned, transferred to Omaha. A kid named Robbie Stucker, who was a pretty good serviceable defenseman for them, is going to play for Vermont this year. Um, it, to make room for guys, like I said, Chaz Lucius, Aaron Huglin, uh, Tristan Brose, uh, Matthew Nye, some guys who were pretty prominent players in the USHL or with the U.S. National Team Development Program. And then they did bring in one transfer, interestingly enough, from the transfer portal, Grant Cruikshank, who was the top, you know, probably the top offensive contributor for Colorado College the last couple of years, comes from a famous family from Wisconsin. So, you know, we joke that you always have to have one Wisconsin guy on the roster, just kind of kind of keep things interesting because the Badgers have so many Minnesotans on their team. But, uh, right. but he's going to be expected to be a nice uh, offensive contributor right away. 
I really think it all kind of starts with defense with this team, having LaFontaine coming back and then having the core of all those, you know, top defensemen that played in the world juniors last year, won a gold medal last year, guys like Brock Faber and Jackson Lacoma specifically are two of the, the kind of young bookends on the defense. So I think it really starts with experience there. They're going to have to plug some offensive holes. You mentioned Reedy's gone. He was a, a goal scorer. He was a guy who got to the front of the net and did things really well. And then Sampo Rante was just an offensive, of force for all three years he was a gopher and stepped right into the to the playoffs with the avalanche so um those are going to be holes to fill but i really think they're going to be counting on some freshmen to do some good things i don't want to gloss over the tragic uh, situation for bob monsko at, at the end of july with the uh, death of his son how has that impacted the gophers as a whole that's uh that's a huge question i mean let's, let's just be honest we've seen uh we've seen plenty of sports teams over the years affected by tragedy and it seems like every team deals with it in different ways. We've seen some teams, you know, galvanize around uh, the family that, that had, has lost someone and, and use that as inspiration. We've also te- seen teams really struggle with it. So uh, that's a huge question. In public, Bob Motzko has been really good. He's, he's a workaholic by nature. He's a guy who, you know, not long after the funeral was back in his office making phone calls and they, they got a commitment out of a pretty good defenseman. Uh, here last week. So he's kind of a business as usual guy in public, you know, in private friends who know him say, you know, this is uh, as tough as anyone would expect. I mean, I can't honestly think of anything worse than losing a child. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of anger, a lot of grief, a lot of stuff like that behind closed doors that, that we don't see. And frankly, we're, we, we don't ever need to see, but, uh, but, but that's a huge question of, of how the team will process this and, and, and how uh, the, the Motsko family will process this, you know, and they're in all of our thoughts, obviously. But it's funny you ask that, Guy, because I've had a few people say, well, do you think Motsko would take a year off? And, you know, I just that's just not in his nature. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy who wants to be back in the office and, and if nothing else, you know, have something else to focus on and and do his job. And and he also knows this this could be a, a potentially very, very good hockey team. And I don't think uh, anybody would would want to take time away from that. Uh, since he joined the program from St. Cloud State, as a matter of fact, um, how has the the program changed uh, or you know, when it was Don Lucia there, I know the team had kind of struggled the last couple of years under Don. Um, and it maybe it took a couple of years, but I think that's to be expected. But under Bob Mosco, it seems like that that program has really turned around again. Two, two things at work here. Number one, you know, we're still within the first decade of moving to the Big Ten and, and moving away from the WCHA, which had been their conference forever. Right. Uh, attendance is down. And, and attendance is down across college sports for the most part. That's not a University of Minnesota hockey problem. It's a college sports problem. So you're seeing more empty seats than you may have 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I, I will credit Bob Monsko for this. One thing he's really focused on is getting the alumni back involved, getting uh, you know these former players back involved. He had a golf event uh, just a couple of weeks ago where he invited basically anybody who's ever played for gopher hockey to come back and, and kind of reestablish those networks that some people say, uh, you know, the previous administration hadn't done as much with the alumni or, or wasn't as active with the alumni. So I credit him for that. And then the other thing he's doing is just kind of working to, to reignite interest on campus and go for hockey. You know, the, the, the fact that, you know, this is, <laughs> This is the one consistently winning team that the University of Minnesota has had over the years. I joked last year that uh, the the basketball team had a really good start. And at one point uh, they had a big game and they were playing a team that was ranked number four in the country over at the basketball arena. And I joked on Twitter, well, hey, if you want to go right across the street, the number one team in the country in hockey is playing there. You might you yeah. might have interest in that, too. So. 
Yeah, still a little frustrating how lost college hockey seems to get in the college sports uh, landscape. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Mick, uh, tell me about uh, the the the, uh, the the Huskies since uh, Bob Motzko left and Brett Larson has taken over. I mean, he inherited a a team that was consistently strong. I think they'd made the NCAA tournament five of six years or something like that. So he he came into a pretty good spot, but. He's been able to keep it and foster that growth. And I mean, they get to the national championship game last year. So a um, little bit different situation for him to start with, but uh, it's certainly that program is still moving forward. Yeah, no, Brett's done, Brett's done a great job. Uh, he'd been, uh, you know, an assistant coach uh, most recently at, at Minnesota Duluth. Uh, they had won the national, UMB had won the national title and then basically. Brett got back and, and uh, you know, uh, interviewed for the job, like almost like the next day uh, uh, fr- from that. Uh, but uh, so, you know, Brett, Brett take, taking that kind of pedigree, I guess, from, from uh, you know, spending that much time, uh, you know, in, in the UMB program, I, you know, was a part of two national championship uh, teams up, up there. I think that w- when you, you've, been a part of something like that. I mean, you, you're, you're going to tweak some things, you know, he was wise enough his first year as, as he liked to say, he said his biggest job when he got here was not to screw it up. <laughs> they were absolutely loaded uh, his first year here and they were ranked number one in, in the country going into the national tournament. And, you know, the, the, the uh, big upset by uh, AIC in, in the first round of, of the playoffs uh, but you know they reached the NCHC you know championship game. They set a record that year for the best record uh, of any team uh, you know to to play in the NCHC up until that point. Uh, that was a tremendously talented team, and uh, it was it was. Cr- I mean, we'll just be honest. I mean, it was crushing when they you know for the program when they when they lost that that game because uh, they had all the pieces. They had beat they beat UMB four times that season. For example, and UMD won the national title and really made it look relatively easy uh, that that year uh, in in the NCAA tournament. The next year, they lost a, a lot of those guys. Uh, they kind of took a you know it, it took about half the season for them to kind of get themselves back going again. Uh, and then they felt like they were you know starting to put some things back together. Uh, COVID hit; they weren't able to play uh, you know in the first round. They almost you know. Uh, they had an outside shot of, of getting home ice uh, at the end of uh, that season and, and weren't able to do it last season. You know, people really didn't know what to expect. You know, I mean, they, they had a lot coming back and, and they were high, you know, they, they were hopeful that they were going to be in the top half, but I think they were picked fourth or fifth uh, in the NCHC before the, the season started. Uh, and so what he's really done is, is, you know, I, I think he really noticed, uh, his stamp on this team uh, on the defensive side, they've really, you know, clamped down on some things. They still have guys that uh, defensemen who Nick Perfect's kind of is, is the best example of, of, of an offensive minded defenseman, but uh, he really plays uh, two ways now and they're, they've really tightened some things up uh, defensively. And uh, so I think that's been one of the big changes, I guess, under Brett, uh, Brett's, as we were mentioning, uh, they just got a uh, recruit from the National Development Program, a, a, a guy named Austin Bernovic, uh, who's from uh, played at Totino Grace High School this past year. Obviously, he's considered one of the top players in the country. So, 
the, the recruiting side has always been a strength of Brett's. So uh, they, they're kind of bringing uh, some things together with, with that. So I, I think, you know, they're, they're in really good hands and they, you know, obviously the university thought so because they just extended him uh, another few years. He's here through at least another, I think he's got another five years, I think. I'm trying to remember now exactly. I think it's 2027, I think, is, is what his contract runs through. So he's going to be here a while. So <laughs> they, they certainly have every belief in him. Yeah. So wait, he's he's locked up in his contract through right about the time Scott Sandlin turned 65, huh? Hmm. I wonder what that means. Chester always stirring that pot. I would have. If, if just, Gee, if I can tell a quick story. because Go ahead. Mick mentioned uh, Brett Larson, you know, interviewing for this job literally hours after UMB won the national championship game. Well, right. uh, Brett actually told me this story. It's 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 fantastic. UMB wins uh, the national championship on a Saturday night in St. Paul. He said they go back to Duluth on Sunday. There's all these celebrations. And very quietly, he's on the phone with folks from St. Cloud trying to set up an interview. So so they set up an interview for Monday. So literally like 48 hours after he's won a national championship with UMD, he says very quietly without telling anyone, he gets in his car at 6 a.m. And, and gets to, to drive to St. Cloud, which is about three hours from Duluth. And he's on the freeway and there's not another car on the freeway. It's a Monday morning. It's very quiet. And he said at one point in the drive, he looks over and the car next to him is actually somebody he knows. And his friend looks at Brett and mouths the words, I know where you're going. <laughs> so good luck trying to keep a secret. That's <laughs> uh, Minnesota. <laughs> um, I, we were talking, Mick mentioned briefly uh, just the impact COVID has had on everybody. And let's be honest, I think we're still dealing with it in a lot of ways. I know up here, uh, I think um, the provinces of Quebec and Manitoba, British Columbia now, I know in Alberta it's a little bit different, but the NHL teams have all said that mandatory vaccination policy for all the players and the, and the employees. And uh, I think for ticket buying fans now, everybody up here has to be uh, fully vaccinated. What's the situation like for you guys in Minnesota? Well, the, the Big Ten just made an announcement as a conference that if a game is canceled due to due to COVID, it's it's a forfeit. It's not a last year. It was a no contest. So, for example, the Gophers or to go out to Penn State and play a couple of games uh, out there. And Penn State just had a, a hellish year with with COVID. I mean, they they missed almost a month of hockey because uh, the the timing of when that ran through their roster. So the Gophers lost two games out of Penn State. The Big Ten had to go to, to points percentage and something like that to determine who won the Big Ten title. And Wisconsin wound up winning it by just a couple of decimal points. Uh, and credit the Badgers. They were three and one against the Gophers in the regular season. So it's not like they uh, they didn't earn that title. But it, it's interesting how that changes things, the idea of a forfeit now. So those would have counted as two wins for the Gophers if it was that the rule in place last year. So basically they're doing what the National Football League has done is kind of putting the impetus on the players saying, if you don't want to get vaccinated, it's it's your call. But if you get sick and your team gets sick as a result, you're going to cost your team a, a game. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in the NFL, you're not going to get paid either. Well, obviously that's not the case in, in college hockey. Sure. But um, they're kind of putting the, the impetus on the teams to say, hey, um, we can't force you to get vaccinated, but this is what's going to happen if, if you don't and there's a problem. All right. Uh, well, at St. Cloud State, uh, right now, I mean, they've, they've just, uh, for the school has just started up here. So uh, now everybody, 
when, when they're in, in the buildings here, they, they have to be wearing masks. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to, how they're going to handle that, I guess, with, with fans, uh, you know, coming back, uh, you know, in, into the arena. Cause last season, uh, basically the only people that were allowed in the building were, were relatives, uh, up here at St. Cloud State, uh, for, for any of their home games. Uh, the only time that they really saw a lot of fans was once they got to the NCHC tournament and then in the NCAA tournament. Uh, otherwise they did not see fans in the stand. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes down once we get, you know, I realize we're getting closer and closer, whatever it is, five weeks away from the start of the, uh, college hockey season, but it's going to be interesting to see how they're, how they're going to handle that. If, if they're going to re my, my guess would be that they're going to, you know, they're going to require fans to wear masks when, the, when they go inside. I mean, at least mm-hmm. to start the season until some of these numbers get a little bit better. Uh, but, uh, you know, St. Cloud State, uh, you know, the big money maker at, at St. Cloud State for their athletic department is, is the hockey team. And so, Having that team not be able to have fans uh, was a big, <laughs> was a tough blow for them last season. Not that it's not for other programs, but for St. Cloud State in particular, that that's their one, that's their big money maker is is um, men's hockey, and so uh, they've set up their non-conference schedules so that you know they're playing, you know St. Thomas at home, they're playing the Gophers in a home and home. Uh, the playing Bemidji State, I think, in a, I think that's a home and home as well. Uh, so uh, Wisconsin is coming here, uh, so they've set themselves up to try to, <laughs> uh, you know, get some more fans here. You know, f- from a financial standpoint, not only that, but I mean, obviously, these are all great programs that that they've got coming in here. But uh, you know, from a financial standpoint, they they really need to have fans in the stands, and so it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see how the push and shove comes on on whether or not people are wearing masks or, or what what exactly how that shakes down. Yeah, uh, probably not a coincidence that some of those non conference games are in state teams that they're playing. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> they yeah. want they wanted you know the, the, you know in past years they've they've done trips out east, you know, where they, or they just, you know, every now and again, they go, you know, once the Alaska, once Anchorage left, they would go up to Alaska or something, you know, they, they, they would have a, a road trip and, you know, a road trip or two uh, in the non-conference where they're going out east or someplace on, on a plane. But uh, yeah, the, part of the reason as well is to, trying to keep costs down and, and to make those bus trips instead. Uh, which I think is a good, you know, is a smart move on a lot of levels for them. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, guys, I got to wrap it up. Uh, Jess, what do you have coming up at, uh, at the Rink Live? Uh, I went up to Northern Michigan University. They're talking about adding women's hockey there. They would be the get this hockey crazy state like Michigan. They would be the first college in Michigan to have a Division One women's hockey program. So wow. I'm- about that this week kind of kind of an interesting idea and and frankly kind of unbelievable that nobody else in michigan has women's yeah. hockey or is even talking about it that's really surprising mick what, what's on your plate actually i'm going to go over uh the, the some of the former st cloud state uh players that are, are getting ready to head off to pro camps uh they're they're going to be uh they've actually been doing some practicing and scrimmaging here at st at st cloud state uh, i'm going to go over uh tomorrow and then uh, Friday uh, in a town right next to St. Cloud's Hartel, 
Uh, they're actually going to have a, a practice that's open to the public and, and uh, you know, people are going to be allowed to get autographs afterwards. So I'm, I'm hoping to catch up with a couple of the, the former Huskies who are, uh, who are now uh, heading off to the pros and, and just kind of do some updates on those guys. Awesome. We'll look forward to all of that at the rink live. Uh, you guys want to throw your Twitter handles quickly? At Jess R. Myers, if you if you want to follow me uh, for my opinions about hockey only, nothing else. Nothing. No Afghanistan talk. Is that what no? You're I'm not talking about. I, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm <laughs> unless unless uh, there are any future Gophers playing in Afghanistan right now, then you will get my opinion about it. All right, Nick. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm at McHatton on on Twitter, and then uh, you can find our website. It's just therinklive.com. All right. Terrific, guys. I really appreciate your time. Mick, I had you on a couple of years ago. Jess, I'll try not to make it another decade before I have you back on the show again. And if you want to send Timbits, you know, we'll take them. I'll, I'll get you an address. Any Timbits anybody wants to send us, please. All right. I'll see what I can do. Maybe it'll be some Wilhock beef jerky. I, I like it. Good idea. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Keith. Thank you. All right. That was Mick Hatton and uh, Jess Myers, the two hosts of... Uh, the Rink Live, a podcast all about college hockey and everything else that's happening hockey-wise in that state, which is always a lot to cover. I uh, really appreciate those guys uh, and the way they uh, gave up some time here before the season starts uh, for the Pipeline Show. Really appreciate that. Also, I know this is not going to be very impressive for anybody else out there, but um, this was the first time that I did an interview for the Pipeline Show that was done via Zoom. Seven problems trying to connect with both guys uh, with Skype. And uh, they do their show with uh, Zoom when they talk to each other. So thought I'd give it a whirl. And uh, also shout out to Andrew Peard for, uh, listen, I'm old. Technology is uh, my enemy. And uh, Andrew Peard, shout out to him, voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings, basically holding my hand as through the uh, the step-by-step uh, what to do. So I appreciate the help of the uh, the two guests and uh, from uh, my broadcast partner here with the Oil Kings as well for uh, walking this old man through the technology. There should be lots to look forward to in Minnesota for college hockey, whether it's the Gophers or the Duluth Bulldogs or, you know, St. Thomas with the Tommies now uh, at up to Division One and St. Cloud State. I didn't know they were getting that many players back. That's fantastic for them. I mean, this is a championship caliber team. Usually those clubs lose a bunch of guys. And I knew that uh, the NCAA had cleared, you know, fifth-year seniors for this coming season. I didn't know there were that many guys who were taking advantage of it, though. I think that's it's great for college hockey. Might suck for uh, a lot of freshmen who are hoping to uh, get some ice time this year. Uh, maybe that uh, leads to more guys staying another year in the USHL or Junior A up here in Canada. I don't know. Something to watch for. All right, but with that, that wraps up this week's episode. So I just want to say uh, thanks to those two. You heard the two guys uh, from Regina that we uh, led the show off with. And in between, Caitlin Berry from England made for a very fun week, uh, but it is cleanup time. So if you haven't got your bidet yet, go to hellotushy.com slash pipeline, get an automatic 10% off for that, and get a bidet. Come on, folks. It's better for you. It's better for the environment. You're going to like it a lot more. Stop wiping. Start washing your butt. Way less toilet paper. It's going to pay for itself in a matter of months. I highly recommend it, and I know you'll thank me for it down the road. Next week on the Pipeline Show... All right, we're kicking off the team-by-team WHL previews. I've got it set up, so it's basically going to be four divisions over the next four weeks. I'm going to start with the U.S. division and work eastward. So it will be the U.S. division next week, the B.C. division the week after, then the Central, and we'll end with the East division. And at that point, I think there'll be one more week, and then the uh, regular season will begin in the Canadian Hockey League. 
Uh, and then in that last week of September, we'll throw in some uh, some AJHL, get you set. Uh, what else is happening in uh, you know in the USHL or the NAHL? Some college hockey stuff. So lots to get to, but heavy focus for the next month on the Western Hockey League. Of course, patrons get early access to every conversation, every interview that you hear on the Pipeline Show. They're going to hear it two, three, sometimes four days in advance of when the a full show is released. If you would like to have access, you can. It's a couple bucks a month. Go to patreon.com slash the pipeline show and all the information will be there for you. I really appreciate the support. If you're a regular listener though and you just download your copy from iTunes or Spotify or the Soundbean or wherever you get it from, I appreciate that as well. And tell your friends about the show. Let's try to grow the audience a bit. That would be fantastic. Uh, leave ratings and comments wherever you get your copy of the Pipeline Show from. That works out really, really well. And if this happened to be your first episode that you'd ever listened to, then come back for more. You can always hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. You can email me, Guy at thepipelineshow.com. And in fact, that's how this segment came together. It was an email that I got from a listener just like you who said, uh, you know, I know you're trying to get uh, some guests that have podcasts. Why don't you check out these two? Now, I know I knew Mick and Jess from before that. Uh, both of them have been on the show in the past. But uh, Tommy emailed me and said, uh, hey, why don't you check these guys out and have them come on? So I did, I guess proving that I do take requests. So if there's a, a guest that you would like to hear on the program, uh, drop me a line at TPS underscore Guy or Guy at the Pipeline Show dot com. And uh, we'll see what we can do. All right, everybody. I hope that you can, are able to get out and enjoy the weekend as uh, the final month of August. Everybody's going back to school, and if you got kids, that is. It's bound to be a stressful time for a lot of people. I know COVID is not gone. It's uh, it's still around. Infection rates uh, skyrocketing pretty much everywhere. Uh, so uh, take care, everybody. Stay safe. Get your vaccines because, it, well, let's face it, it is a choice. Nobody is forcing you to do it, but as we're seeing now, the world is becoming, if uh, you know, if you're fully vaccinated, you have access to getting back to normal. And if you don't, you're the one going to be staying home. So it is a choice. You have the right to choose. And if you choose not to get vaccinated, uh, don't expect a, a whole lot of privileges about moving forward. All right, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. I will talk to you next week here on the Pipeline Show as we get set for the WHL season with the team-by-team WHL preview starting with the U.S. Division. This has been the Pipeline Show, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Have a great weekend, everybody. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya.